Luke 22, verse 14. And when the hour was come, he sat down, that's Jesus, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I what? I want to do this, he said, before I suffer. Something I've wanted to do before I do what I have to do, what I've been sent to do. For I say to you, I will not any more eat thereof till it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the cup and he gave thanks. He said, take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine till the kingdom of God shall come. Now, I, I know we read this last week and we did communion and... Uh, I've heard of miracles from that communion service since that communion service, by the way, where people have spoken to me about what God had miraculously done in their life in that service last Thursday night. So stay with me. We're not walking through communion again. We're walking through some scriptures again. Verse 19, And he took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them and said, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, notice the turn now. He said, I've, got to do, I've wanted to do this before I suffer. This is my body broken. This is my blood poured out. And then he said, But behold, the hand of him that betrays me is with me on the table. I don't know that we can fathom what the man Christ Jesus was going through at this time. He was getting ready to suffer. He's describing what his sacrifice is going to mean. And he's acknowledging somebody that's going to betray me is sitting here right now. In John's gospel, I think it's John 13. You don't have to go there because I want to keep reading right here. But I believe it's in John 13. It reads, and when he knew that his hour was come, he got up from the table, took off his coat, girded himself, grabbed the basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet. At the same time, he's going through all of this. He's processing all of this. He's knowing the time. He's realized his hour has come. He's, he's been in the garden agonizing. And here he is. Don't you feel for him? I mean, doesn't your, uh, I mean, isn't this where you're like, man, Jesus, what can we do for you? How can we help you? They're recognizing change is happening. Something's going on. We don't understand everything's happening, but we recognize change is taking place here. And something's transitioning here. And, and he's told us some stuff, but I don't, they, I don't know that they were ready fully to. Because isn't it something about our humanity? We can be told something's going to change. And there's something built in our human nature that even if we've had reassurances along the way, we're like, 
So all this is going on. Jesus is going through all of this. The man, he says, that's going to betray me, his hands on the table with me. Verse 22, And truly the Son of Man goes as it was determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them would do this thing. That's a fair conversation in spite of everything. But notice the next verse, 24. And, everybody say and. And there was also a strife among them. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? Does that not seem like a really crazy time for that to be the conversation? I want you to let that sink in. I'm not pausing for effect. I'm pausing because I want that to sink into our spirit right now. Jesus said, I'm getting ready to suffer. He just revealed what his suffering intends to do. The person that's going to betray me's hands right here on the table, and they're debating their strife among the 12 about which one's going to be the greatest. You talk about ill-placed conversation. It's, it's interesting. He told them, I'm going to go away. Yes? It's expedient for you, he said, that I go away. So they knew he was leaving. They weren't sure how. But they knew. He told them, I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to... But I think even though they'd heard him say it, they weren't quite processing it all, right? There's some things you just don't want to accept. That's our human nature. But they knew. And somewhere along the way with his words, I don't think this just came up the first time right here on this night. I think somewhere along the way with him mentioning, I'm going to go away. It's expedient for you that I go away. I'm going to, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to, I think in him sharing that somewhere along the way, a thought came to somebody. I said, hmm, this might be my opportunity. I remember, I, you know, I, I remember when me and, John went out together. We, we healed the sick. We cast out devils. We raised the dead. You know, they'd done that. God had given power to do that. Maybe they thought, well, if he's going away, somebody's going to have to lead this crew. Oh, you don't think they thought that way? They were as human as you and I. This is what this is talking about. There, there's a strife among them. Which one's going to be accounted the greatest out of those that are left? It really is an issue of, okay, if, dare I say it this way, I, don't, I, I almost feel sacrilegious saying it, but I, if this role becomes available, 
wonder which one of us will. And it became a strife between them. If it wasn't in Scripture, I, was, I wouldn't believe it. Like, really? If it wasn't in the Word of God, I don't know that I could believe it. I, would, I mean, wouldn't you think that after three and a half years and all the teaching and all the experience and the relationship with Jesus and their desire and his teaching to them about the kingdom and their place in the kingdom, wouldn't you think that at this point there would no longer be any strife about somebody getting a role? But yet... That's what change does. I, I um, in my job, when I, a year and a half ago, has it been that long? Two and a half years almost, or almost two years. I, most of you are aware, I used to, for about four, four and a half years, uh, for the credit union I worked for, I ran the eastern half of Washington. That's not as grandiose as it sounds. There were eight branches between Spokane and central Washington and Pullman. And so I, um, I had the privilege of serving those eight branches. And uh, the Lord began to deal with me. And I, because of just time and pool and what he was doing in the body, like it's, I got to step away from this role. I wasn't sure what was next, but I knew the Lord had dealt with me that way. And so... I communicated to my boss and uh, lots of parts there. I won't go through all that tonight. But I communicated to him, and he said, well, let's, I, I want to wait until we, let's, let's think about when we want to communicate this out. Okay. <laughs> you know, your call. You're the one that gets to fill the role. Um, and so uh, I agreed to continue in the role for six more months while we sort of aligned some stuff. And, and uh, but the moment, like he communicated out that, hey, this is And my phone started blowing up. What was happening? Well-meaning people. Well-meaning people. And I don't fault them at all, but they saw an opportunity, right? Okay, this is a, this is a role that doesn't come available very often. This is something that's opened up, and, and if Joel's stepping out of that role, not going to... And that means, so I share that to say this is human nature. Human nature sees the vacating of a role as opportunity for self, if I'm not careful. This is an element that we see here with the disciples at the time that Jesus is about to suffer. I wonder where the voice was that says, guys, it's not about that. Let's stand together. Let's just stand together. Let's just be in unity. Let's just work together through this. Whatever's coming that we don't know, if we'll agree together, we'll walk this road in unity. But what was it? This is an element of the adversary that seeks to divide in a subtle way. What is it? It's a focus on self-advancement. 
so interesting to me that it came at this time. Like I said, if it wasn't in the scripture, I'd struggle to believe it. But it came. It was concern for individuality. Well, Jesus knew. Aren't you thankful he knows? I know sometimes we wish like, oh, I wish he didn't know. But I'm really thankful he knows because it saves us from ourselves. Amen? It saves us from, he saves us from ourselves. I mean, I know he saves us from sin, but he saves us from ourselves. Because we in ourselves are destructive. And so he saves us from self-destruction by knowing us. Thank God he knows us. And so he knowing, I want you to notice his response at this stripe among them. He said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles, they exercise lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. Next verse. Watch, pay close attention. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief, as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sits at meat, or he that serves. Is not he that sitteth at meat? But I am among you. As he that serves. Now, what did he just say there in verse number 27 in plain English? He says, who's greater? The one that's sitting down at the table ready to eat that's being served or the server that's delivering the food to them? Well, they said, well, obviously the guy that's sitting down and being served must be greater if somebody is serving him. Yes? But Jesus said, I'm among you as he that serves. And they were having to come to the realization greatness is not in taking a role or position that's been vacated. It's in serving the whole. What he described back there in verse number 25, I think it's verse 25 when he said the Gentiles exercise lordship. We don't use those words today, lordship, benefactor. But what Jesus is describing there is he's describing hierarchy. Anybody know that word hierarchy? How many of you work at or have worked in a corporate job? You know what hierarchy is, even if it's not a corporate, right? Matter of fact, at my company, I can click on a few things. I can go to my little page on my profile, and I can click a couple things, and it shows me the, the corporate tree. Have you ever seen one of those? This is who reports to me. Now nobody reports to me. It's sort of a wonderful thing in some ways. Um, but here's who I report to, and here's who the person I report to reports to. And this is, right, hierarchy. This is what, exa that's exactly what Jesus is describing right here in this verse. He, or in verse number 25 there, he's describing hierarchy. He's saying, this is how it is among the Gentiles. This is how it is in the world. The world has hierarchy. Somebody's always the, the head person in charge. And then there's, now, he's, he's not talking about 
God-ordained authority that's not based on hierarchy. Here he's describing, dare I call it this, management structure. And he's saying, that's of the world. That's not how it is in my kingdom. In my kingdom. Why isn't this an interesting thing now for him to be addressing? Again, context, remember where he's at? He's about to suffer. He's literally getting ready to be taken, beat, and crucified. He's addressing a critical issue to keep that which he has spent three and a half years building from blowing up. You understand the significance of this conversation that he's having with these 12 or 11 at the moment. Judas is getting ready to do his thing, I guess. So 11 are listening. It's Judas heard it too. I don't think he'd went out yet. But he's addressing this not just in the present, for the present, but he knows if I don't address this right now, this element that's trying to rise up, that's got this strife among them, it's going to get magnified when I'm gone. And so I need them to understand this principle. Now, he knew, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be gone for about 50 days. And then it'll all come clear to him, right? 50 days after Passover, Pentecost. But isn't it something, man, when things go sideways? It don't take 50 days. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, that went downhill in a hurry. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Somebody got in competition rather than knowing, hey, the place in the kingdom is service. Service to one another. And Jesus was addressing this with, it was these 11 men and then ultimately Matthias being added. They turned their world upside down. And the adversary knew, if I want to keep this from happening, all I got to do is get them arguing among themselves about which one's greater. And then they'll never be effective because their focus is inward and self-promotion, self-gain, self-position, self-title, self-role. But if they'll get rid of that, not think like the Gentiles, not think like hierarchy, not think management structure, but think... What do I do that serves the whole? What is my role in relationship to the other? How is it that together we can accomplish what the King of kings and the Lord of lords has called us to do? How is it together we serve his kingdom? How is it together we accomplish his purpose? How is it together no competing for role, place, position, but simply saying God saw fit to place us in his body? How do we function together where he's placed me? How do I align with Brother Gabriel? How does Brother Nate? align with brother Azar. how do we align and work together as he's placed us in the body that's what he's addressing it's a kingdom principle and if it was rising up then oh I promise you it would love to rise up You know, there's a pretty good chance. 
there's a 100% chance. I don't know when, but I'm certain there's a 100% chance that we're going to transition out of this building. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, transition becomes a vulnerable time. Yeah? Transition becomes a vulnerable Risk. At risk. Many of you have seen me share the example before, right? Where when I'm standing here, I got firm footing. If you push me, I'm pretty stable. But if I take a step, transition from one to the other, now my stability is not what it was in that time of transition. You want to talk about transition. They were getting ready to go through some transition, weren't they? And so we have to understand this element. Here they are about to go through this. He knows what's ahead of them, doesn't he? And he knows, and so he's trying to protect them from himself and preserve what he's input in them because of what he knows they're called to do. So we have to be aware of this and submit our heart to him. Let me read to you one other place, and I'll finish tonight. I know that shocks some of you. Like, what? That shouldn't have been so funny to y'all. No, I'm kidding. Philippians chapter 2. The book of Philippians is an interesting story. We won't read through it all tonight. But Paul's letter to the church at Philippi is really a letter. It's, it's It's like a love letter, man. He's... He is praising them. He's so thankful for what they've done. Their fellowship in the gospel from the first day till now. He's reflecting on how he's confident in them and what God started in them. He's going to finish. He just, he's just doting on them. He's talking about how wonderful what they've done. He closes it out by thanking them for ministering to his need. and how I mean, he, it really is. It's a, it's a letter of... and But the thing is... Paul isn't there. Paul is in prison. And he's writing a letter to them from prison. And he's talking about all the things that are coming against the gospel. Some are preaching Christ this way, some are doing it this way. And, you know, and they think that by not being sincere and being contentious, that they can add affliction to the bonds that I already have. They're, they're just doing it and just. But he said, but I, I just, whether they're doing it of love or contention, whatever, he said, I'm just thanking God that Christ is preached. And he addresses this church and he says to them, you should understand, in, in verse 12 of chapter 1, he said, you should understand that the things that have happened unto me have fallen out unto the furtherance of the gospel. Right? They're wanting Paul to be there. Paul can't be there because he's in prison, and he's trying to help them understand, hey, don't feel sorry for my bonds. What's happened to me is the furtherance of the... But then he begins to admonish this church. He, begins, he uses the word 
four different times between chapter 1, verse 27, and chapter 2, verse 5. Speaking of being of one mind, being like-minded, having lowliness of mind, and letting this mind be in you. What in the world is all this communication about their mind? I'll tell you what it is. He's trying to address the way they think. How you start thinking. What's influencing your thought? What we read there in Luke chapter 22, the strife among them, something affected their thinking, and they started thinking about who's going to be the greatest. Paul's addressing this element in the church where he can't physically be there, but the Spirit of God's there is acknowledging how God is using them. But watch. Verse 27, chapter 1. He says, only let your conversation or your lifestyle be as becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else I'm absent, I want to hear about your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, in one mind, striving together, not striving against each other, but striving together for the faith of the gospel. Don't let your actions at it, your conversation, that's lifestyle. Don't let your lifestyle in pursuit of the kingdom and the gospel and the work, don't let it be swayed by whether I'm there or I'm not. Is that what he just said? Whether I'm present or whether I'm absent. He said, hey, this is what your lifestyle's got to be. I want to know that you're of one spirit. I want to know that you're standing fast that way. I want to know you're of one mind. I want to know that you're still striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, skip down to chapter 2, and we'll finish right here in these verses. He's still admonishing them this way. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, that's an, all of those are important, but that's really, really important. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit. You know what that tells me? Some of these other things that he starts addressing here that we're going to read here in just a second. If they're not present, there's a pretty good indicator there's not a fellowship of the Spirit taking place. You let your life of prayer and your time in the Word fellowshipping the Spirit of God begin to wane. You don't put the proper emphasis, prioritization, and focus on fellowship of the Spirit. These other things will wane and show up in your and my life. That he warns against. Watch. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any bowels and mercies, this is, he said, fulfill my joy. Here's what he's saying. This is what I would ask of you. If you're fellowshipping the Spirit, if, if there's consolation, if there's comfort, this would bring joy to me. This would bring He's in prison. This would bring me joy. That you be what? Like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through what? Strife. Remember what we read in Luke 22? There was a strife among them. Paul said, let nothing be done through strife. One translation says, let nothing be done from a motive of envy. He's addressing motives. 
Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. One translation says, let nothing be done through a motive of envy or selfish ambition and pride. This is Paul said, if nothing's done through these things, that brings me such joy. But how should it be done? In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, that's easier said than done. He's not talking about speaking ill of yourself and tearing down yourself. It's not what he's encouraging. But he's saying, when I look in the body, I should look and say, man, I see attributes and strengths here that are better. I want to aspire to that. I'm not talking about comparing and competing. You understand? I see a walk in a relationship. I see some things here. Man, I want to aspire to that. God has developed some things in my brother and my sister. Man, they've grown. I haven't grown like that in that area. I, I want to esteem them better than self. Our human nature goes the other way around. But Paul's talking about lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Stand with me, please. Verse 4, he makes this statement. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, that doesn't mean, you know what, ignore your stuff and get nosy. That's how some people, that's some people's incorrect translation of that verse. That's not what he means. He's saying, hey, if you're like-minded, if you're fulfilling my joy, before you're worrying about all of your stuff and it's all about you and your world and your things and your problems and your pain and getting this fixed and my needs. And I, he said, hey, before that, before you're spending all your time looking on your own stuff, look on the things of others. You know, it's something how when you start pouring into and investing in others in some way, shape, or form, God has a way of beginning to heal and work in your life when you're like, when did that happen? How did that happen? Right? James wrote, and he said, pray one for another that you may be healed. There's something. If you find you're hitting a brick wall in prayer when you're trying to pray, I'll help you. The Lord will help us. Start praying for others. Really. I don't mean just like filling out a list. I mean, wait on the Lord. Think about people in the body. Think about your neighbors. Think about coworkers. Think about friends. Think about lost loved ones. Think and wait on the Lord and begin giving yourself to the Spirit of the Lord, praying for others. You're going through a rough patch in life. You've got some struggles and challenges and problems. I'll tell you how you get through Pray for others. Let your focus be on the need of others. Let the Lord you. I'm telling you, if you're thirsty and parched, you can't seek to be a conduit for water to flow to other thirsty people and that water flowing through you not affect you. But you got the focus off yourself. This is what Paul is admonishing to this church at Philippi. And all of this is in the context of whether I'm with you or whether I'm not. This is what I want to know about you. I want to know this is what I see there. This is what's happening there. This is what brings me joy. Whether I come and see it with my own eyes or I just hear it with my ears. These are the things that would bring me joy. 
a like-mindedness. Holding others above ourselves. Not looking our own stuff, but on the things of others. And finally, verse 5. Let this mind thinking. Where do I get this like-mindedness? How do we get one mind? Not of our own ingenuity. Not of our own knowledge. But let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was the mind in Christ Jesus? See the colon there. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he... Who's he? Christ Jesus, God manifest in the flesh. You think he knew who he was? Of course he did. But he made himself of no reputation. We so much want to have a reputation. He didn't. I'm not saying you should try to have a bad reputation. But we can put so much emphasis on trying to have a reputation, how men view us. We have to battle. It's our human nature. Jesus made himself of no reputation. He wasn't trying to make a name for himself. And he was the name above every name. Why is it that when he healed the blind man or the leper, don't tell him who did this. He healed them. Don't tell them who did it. Don't say anything. Why? Tell you why. He didn't want them to begin to worship a man. He wanted the glory to go to God. He made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a servant. And he was made in what? What was he made in the likeness of? Oh, like you and I. So he exampled how we should walk. This is critical to us for what God is doing and will do in this year ahead. I'm certain of it. He's going to add to the church. I'm telling you, don't forget these. He's going to add to the church. Our motive in sharing this is to share the gospel. Sow the seed. Sow the seed. Some seed you'll sow, and it won't come back up for a while. You just sow the seed. Sow the seed. Sow the seed. Not trying to make a reputation. Not trying to say, Sister Philomena's got four. I'm going to see if I can get five. I'm going to pass her. (laughs) Not trying to create competition. I'd love it if everybody in the room did 50. Because it's 50 seeds sown. But if you do one, and that one is the Apostle Paul, who would God lead us to? God, come on, would you talk to him right now? God, would you help us? Let the mind of Christ be in us. Let us to lay hold of these scriptural principles, Father, where we esteem others better than ourselves. Father, we're, we're in workplaces that have the hierarchy and structure of the world. We know that it has a place because of these things. And, but in your kingdom, it's not so. You said that in your word. In your kingdom, it's not so. 
Teach us, Lord, to walk in this manner. Teach us to function and operate as your body in this manner that you have spoken to us through your word as you spoke to your disciples. Teach us, Lord. Let us walk in it that you would be glorified, Father. That you would be exalted. Let us be like-minded, Father. Let us be like the church at Philippi that was praised for being of one mind, being like-minded, Father. Let it bring joy to the kingdom. Let it fulfill your kingdom purpose, Lord. Examine my heart for any selfish ambition or pride. Let it have no place. Let me not seek position. Let me not seek role. Let me not seek that which would feed ego or reputation. But I pray by the leading of the Spirit and in agreement with your word, let us humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and you will exalt as you choose in due time. Oh Lord, promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but you raise up one and sit down another. You do that, Lord, according to your wisdom and your knowledge and your time and you placed us in the body knowing the time and knowing the season where we are I pray let us be knit together in unity of purpose your purpose let us be knit together in the love of God operating in us and amongst us that your kingdom would be advanced in the earth I pray that your kingdom would be advanced in the earth I pray teach me to prefer my brother teach me to submit one to the other according to the word of God oh father that your will would be wrought in the earth that the world would know we're your disciples by our love one for another in the name of Jesus I pray in the name of Jesus I pray forgive me where I pursued selfish ambition oh God let it not be in the kingdom let it not be in the kingdom but I pray your spirit your mind your thoughts your words operating in us and through us let us know who we are in you but let us never forget it's in you it's in you that we live and move and have our being we are not self-made but it's you that has made us we're your people it's you that has made us Ah. come on press through however you need to to let the Holy Ghost and the Word of God examine every part of our heart and our life come on I want to see the kingdom furthered in the earth I want to see the kingdom furthered in the earth I don't want to make a name for myself. I want his name to be exalted. Hallelujah. I don't want to make a platform for self. I want him to be lifted high and men to be drawn unto him. Hallelujah. Come on, we're not in competition with one another. We're not in competition with a brother or sister. We need one another. We're strengthened together. Where we're knit together is where strength comes from. And he's wanting to use us. He's wanting to use us. He's using us. And he's helping us so that this can't get into our spirit in any way. But that we walk according to his will and design. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Examine my motive, Lord. Examine my motive, Lord. Why I do what I do for the kingdom. Let it be with a pure motive. Let it be with a pure heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Why do you think the adversary would try to get you to criticize a brother or sister trying to drive a wedge, trying to divide? Don't give room to that. Think of others better than self. Think of others in the body better than self. In the name of Jesus. 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 You know, I can be, and you can be working for the kingdom of God, but be doing it with a wrong motive. You can come take one of these Bible studies and teach it. And you can be doing the work of the kingdom teaching a Bible study. But you can be doing it with the wrong motive. What the Lord Jesus addressed with his disciples and what we see Paul addressing in the church in Philip is, hey, the like-mindedness, how I think about others, why I do it, it's motive. Where's my heart at? I am so thankful for the unity that God has given and is giving us in deeper dimension. I'm not sharing these things with you tonight because I'm like, oh, this is happening, this is happening, so let's nip that. No, I feel like the Holy Ghost is saying, I'm taking them to a place that they've not walked in unity and a depth and a dimension for what I'm going to accomplish in the earth. And so let's be aware. You understand what was right on the horizon when Jesus said this to his disciples? They were just about less than 55 days away from the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and 3,000 souls and 5,000 souls being at. They were just less than two months away from all of that. So I just got to believe if the Lord's addressing us and talking to us, I'm telling you, there's something on the horizon he's got planned. And if we'll get our posture right and our motive right and our spirit right and ever seek to keep that in check, I'm telling you, he'll turn. We will, by the power of God, turn these valleys upside down. Do you believe that? Yes. I do. Let's thank him together right now. Could we? Jesus, we thank you for your goodness, mercy, and grace. I thank you for your word that teaches and guides and instructs.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you.